0: everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie.
1: And I'm Emery.
0: And we have a guest today. Woo. Uh, currently melting with us in this heat. We just turned on the AC hardcore to try to It's
1: pretty awful outside. Yeah. Try to chill it's, out. It wasn't great inside either.
0: <laughs> the depressos are struggling today.
1: But our guest is Alexa. She is an analyst here in Louisville and she was wonderful to join us on the show today. And she also brought us eggs. Yeah. <laughs> That is a first.
0: (laughs) Yes. And gave me, like, really awesome instructions because, like, I don't usually get eggs, like, fresh off of, you know, from someone's chickens.
2: Yeah. There are a lot of, I guess, not rules, but um, you just want to make sure that you're handling them anytime that it's a backyard chicken because they're just wild. They don't have any antibiotics or anything like that. So they're just out there. How many chickens do you have? I have nine hens. Oh, my gosh. Yeah all ladies all wild nice so wait i thought chickens
0: were all ladies too
2: well no because you could have a rooster which is a chicken
0: oh so chickens like the big category yeah and then roosters and (laughs) hens are underneath that i always thought like chickens were the ladies and then roosters were the guys but then i don't know where hens fell in my mind
2: (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. You've been educated now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never even seen a chicken, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're actually insane. They really are. They're they're like little tiny velociraptors, honestly.
0: <laughs> I've heard that they're like really funny and like quirky.
2: Yes. And they're not the brightest either. Are, yeah. th- are they stupid? Oh. Painfully. Well, their brains are so <laughs> tiny.
0: Well, yeah, they got to have I guess that little... doesn't make a huge
2: difference. But... Yes but some of them are sweet and they'll run to you or run away from you, depending on how they feel. <laughs> yeah. I knew someone who said that their
0: chickens hated getting wet.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a thing because the way that they actually bathe is through like a dust bath or uh, sand, um, they can't get their feathers wet. It's really damaging to them for some reason. So the way that they clean themselves is in dirt or dust. It sounds huh. like me. Yeah. I hate showers.
1: This is you, Lizzie.
0: Yeah.
2: Aww.
1: You always like your dirt dust showers. Yeah, I do.
0: <laughs> well, I count like a pool as a shower. Yeah. Most people don't. But I figure the chlorine is doing its work. You know, it's antibacterial, right? It's or doing something. the Lord's work. Yeah. <laughs> And my hair might look crazy,
2: but what's new? That's every day of my life. Same.
1: And I actually didn't shower today. Not, not, that's good to know that we're in a, a close space a studio. But I, uh, because I've been watching Stranger Things and eating junk food, so that's what I've been doing today. Well, nice. no, no
2: spoilers. A no little, little me
1: day today, you know.
0: Nice. Very nice.
1: <laughs> so we're gonna. Work, so we'll go into business. Uh, you're listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on 106.5 Forward Radio. You can listen to us anytime on forwardradio.org. You can also find us on podcast streaming services any of them if you literally listen to a podcast streaming service unless it's one that like only four people listen to you'll find us there you'll generally search for Four radio and then find two nuts in a pod you can also find us on social media platforms instagram is two nuts in a pod with the number two and facebook is two nuts in a pod with the 2 two T W O spelled out you can also email us anytime 24 7 365 at two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com and one of our many many interns will answer sometime they better or they're getting yeah. fired.
0: Yeah, um, I was gonna say we're paying them enough, but we're not paying them.
1: Yeah, we don't pay them anything. Yeah, but I'll still fire them.
2: Exactly. Uh, okay, so I now almost said,
1: I almost said exactly because I was like, I don't want to. I've do that, made but... so
2: many egg puns today because we're we have such an abundance of them right now. So I'm, yeah, I've made too many today. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go into our first
0: segment, which is how are you for real. So this is when we just no holds barred talk about our feelings. So you don't not just like a polite answer of like I'm doing fine, which is usually a lie. Yeah. <laughs> there's no like it's rare that you're ever just like fine. No complaints <laughs> or totally neutral. Funky like, dory. Yeah. There's usually
2: some stuff going on
0: yeah there's always something i mean
2: at least with me (laughs) (laughs) no that's pretty on brand there was Uh, never a time when i was thinking about this that the that the answer was great so (laughs) yeah like there was
0: um a guy that i used to teach with back in the day that i just could tell i drove him crazy and he just thought i like complained all the time and like looking back on it i'm just like like it made me so self-conscious that he had that critique but i'm like he was a jerk like he didn't like anyone and he was one of those like really like uh super like self-disciplined kind of like you know i never show yeah. any weakness or feelings and i have no emotions. i'm like i get why yeah. i'm your kryptonite but yeah it's not a good reason to like bully someone yeah like i'm allowed to talk about my feelings
2: yeah it's I... not
0: complaining to talk about your feelings it's just real
2: no, I feel the same way. I I think that that's been a big theme in my life.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't keep them in or it's just, I can't hide them is the thing.
2: No. Uh,
0: there's no, <laughs> I have no poker face. Yeah. I to- just feel like I'm fine. And a single tear rolls down and they're like, really, we'll see. Okay.
2: I'm great. I'm help. already crying. <laughs>
1: My coworker and I, my, this is a past job that I how we used to make fun of another coworker because they would just, they always were so robotic with their feelings and everything was just so fake and like on brand. And we would just always joke that they were like eating batteries. Like <laughs> Whenever the person would talk, we would just look at each other and be like, just like pretend we are eating batteries. And that, you know, that got us through the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, okay. So we'll start with you, Emory.
1: Um, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I uh I mean right now, you know, I'm, it's uh it's the summer which I generally hate. Uh but I'm trying to like lean into a little bit and be okay with it. Going to like the pool and stuff and going on summer vacation and doing all those Stupid things people do in the summer. I, I enjoyed um, when Alexa was walking in the studio that she said she hated summer. And I was like, yeah, especially like fair skinned people. Like, it is weird to me when fair skinned people <laughs> like the summer. Like, what the hell's yeah. wrong with you? Like, yeah,
0: those weirdos that are fair skinned but get crazy tan, like Devin.
1: Yeah, that's like, weird. What? Yeah. <laughs> to hell with Devin. <laughs>
0: is it just one big freckle? Like, I don't understand. What yeah. Skin what does it
1: happens? Like, especially, I have blonde hair and blue eyes. Like, the sun and me are not friends. And I realized that over the years after getting multiple terrible sunburns and like people out here, I'm like, what are you doing? Like out in the sun all the time. You're, this is terrible. And it's just so hot and gross outside, but I'm trying to enjoy it and be more friendly with summer because i'm a winter guy i love the winter and i love i think i love we've talked about this before that i love that everyone's miserable in the winter because then they feel like how i feel all the time yes oh
2: my gosh so
1: (laughs) generally you know just gliding through the summer but like today you know just i was just eating junk food and watching stranger things i'm like this is nice i like this that's uh,
2: what i do too like that's what most people would do in the winter but for me i'm like shut in in the summer hang out in the air
0: conditioning, especially the air quality has been really bad the past like several days. Yeah.
2: Go outside, hard pass.
1: I feel like, yeah, because the summer I always felt pressured to do stuff. You always got to do stuff and have fun and have a smile on your face and go swimming. And I'm just like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Sounds awful. So I just want (laughs) to stay inside. So uh, yeah, but I've been, I've been trying and, you know, luckily my friends and family members and people like that, like everybody loves the summer. So I try to embrace it a little more now, um, but overall, doing okay. The only thing that I have that kind of sucks right now is the job situation. Um, still looking for a job, and and that's you know a thing where people are like, oh, there's lots of jobs out there, but there's yeah, there's lots of bad jobs out there <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. or jobs that I don't want. So it's it's a little different now because it's. Um, i'm aiming a little higher than i did before um you know i'm like okay i need to be paid what i'm worth and i'm going to pursue that because i've got you know a mortgage and i'd like to you know one day start a family and stuff like that but it's just uh so you need money (laughs) and you know before i felt so especially working in like you know i worked in journalism and i worked in education and i'm working nonprofits. i always felt bad asking for money but it's like no like you need to take care of yourself and your life and be okay and you need money Um, And money doesn't necessarily buy happiness, but it buys like security and support and things of that nature. Like it helps pay for my therapy. Like, you know, because right now, you know, I'm, you know, that's a struggle. So like, and that's really important for me in my life. So to have that as a struggle right now is a little difficult. So that's the most stressful thing for me right now, but I'm trying to like, you know, maintain level headedness with that and like be calm with it and then reach out to my network. And I made a plan for this upcoming month to like really. Tackle it because I would like by the end of the month um, to have a job placed. Um, but I've done interviews and didn't get jobs, and that was kind of hard. And it's like you know, where you you feel like you're a really good candidate, and all of a sudden they're like, "Yeah, actually, you kind of suck, ready So see you later." Be <laughs> hired
0: so, internally
2: yeah. after <laughs> yeah. your seventh interview, <laughs>
1: and you just yeah, because I've been told no by several now, and like I got like far in the process, and that that kind of gets you know it hurts you a little bit, but it's also just like, well, I guess it's just good learning lessons you know you try to remain grateful and optimistic but you're also just like yeah this also sucks yeah. and so sometimes you're just like i'm just gonna watch stranger things and eat junk food so mm-hmm. that's what i've been doing
0: i mean it seems like from what you describe you're just looking for a living wage i've i've heard it exists um <laughs> uh, maybe not know. in america um know.
1: i've not i've heard it in uh, stories yeah. i've read books before but i've never actually <laughs> seen it yeah <laughs> yeah so, um, yeah, that's just, that's just kind of what I'm looking for. And then obviously like an environment where like they are understanding of mental health and supportive and, you know, they've got, they're not like, you know, funding money to like kill baby seals or something like they're like a good company. <laughs> yeah. So like, that's always a little problem too. So like, you're just, you know, you get a little more picky as you get older and everything, but, um, I'm pretty open to anything. So if anybody has any idea, like if you're listening right now on the radio, like you should pull over to the side of the road and just like, you know, send us an email and say like, Hey, Marie, I've got this for you. And then one of the interns will let me know about it. Uh, Because, yeah, I'd like to know. Um, Job
0: hunting is hard. Like, how are you coping with just the, you know, not having as many tasks during the day? Are you kind of, like, filling the time intentionally so that you don't feel? Because I know I've just gone through periods of unemployment. And at least, like, two or three months in, like, I would start to just feel really, like, kind of caged up and, like...
1: Yeah, at times it you know. sucks. Like I'm very, I'm a very structured person, um, very much like task oriented, love like little checklists and stuff, and and that kind of guy. Um, so not having that has been an adjustment, but in some ways a good adjustment. Because um, when I went through, when I was hospitalized in earlier this year, uh, it was kind of like I was just needed a break from everything. And that's what I did. I just took a break from everything that I was doing because I was doing a lot, mm-hmm. and took a break and just wanted to just chill and relax and just like i just relaxed from like social media i relaxed from you know anything that i felt like was toxic or worrisome or was a burden for me i was like i'm just gonna take a break and i did and in a lot of ways that's very good it just i kind of want like the structure to return so i try to implement that but it's still a little tricky and like i don't you know i'm not a person that's i don't sleep in it's like I, because i mean i think we've talked about it before like i i struggle to i can go to bed at 4 a.m and wake up at 7 like I, I struggle so much to sleep in i don't know what that world is like so <laughs> i still wake up at like 7 7 30 like, and be like well <laughs> cool I, I got this whole day to do stuff but cartoons like, <laughs> cereal <laughs> cartoons and cereal so usually I'm, I'm pretty good at finding something to do and and being productive and stuff and you know trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle but um yeah, it's it can be tough. So I just that's the one part that kind of sucks right now.
0: Well, you got it. it. Sounds like you've gotten really close in some of them. And I know that it's like, oh, but I didn't get it. But like, you know, I had so many, like when I was last unemployed, it just people weren't calling. Yeah. And
1: it's the worst thing that that's so
0: discouraging. You're like, am I going crazy? Did I not send you? a competitive application? Like, can you just give me an email? Like, nah.
1: I, I had <laughs> that's one, all you have to say. I just had one now. organization that's like a kind of a, it doesn't like, you know, you expect it from like a huge for-profit corporation, but like a small organization, you're just like, man, did you literally just ghost me? Like, this is weird. Like, you yeah. can't just be like, I'd rather you just send me an email that just says, Emory, you suck, never, period, Send, and yeah, then get nothing. Feedback. Then I'd be like, okay, I at least know that I didn't get it. Like, I can't be like, oh, dude, I'm just checking in. Did I get the job? Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, like, just tell me I suck and move on. Like, I'm not going to be hurt by it. So, like, yeah, that's, it's a little frustrating, but it'll be okay
0: you've heard it employers tell emory williamson he sucks
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't have that than no answer um the no answer gets to me so yeah so lizzie how are you for real
0: i'm kind of like an emotional wreck today honestly and i don't really uh i don't know like there's some reasons i can like pull apart like oh that's why i'm feeling like this but i honestly like i got tons of sleep last night had like a really mellow hangout with friends yesterday, like where we like went to Z bar and where our house is like right there. So people just came over and chilled and that was really nice and it was a good night. And, um, but yeah, right now, just so like, I'm going through like benzo withdrawal and part of that is just like, I do feel like my emotions are just really like dysregulated and it's like kind of crazy making to be like, you know, not being able to trust that an emotion is giving you information, you know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of used to that with anxiety and depression. Like, yeah, sometimes it doesn't mean anything. Sometimes you have anxiety, and there's nothing to fix or change or, you know, to make it better. But I have a harder time with emotions like anger, particularly. And irritability is a huge Benzo withdrawal thing. And so yeah, I'm just, and I don't know, like the Roe v. Wade stuff, like, that's bringing like causing me so much anger and then i've got like stuff in my personal life like causing me anger that i don't know if i'm overreacting or not and it's just like yeah it's crazy making is the best thing i can think of where it's just like i don't i don't know what to do with this emotion and i've never been good at like really confronting things or like kind of being assertive about my feelings Um, Especially anger. I feel like women are especially socialized that like anger is not cute. You know, like we're not supposed to, um, we're not supposed to express anger. And yeah, that just makes it a lot harder. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just kind of angry at the world.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, a particular person in my life right now, but I'm like, I don't really know what to do with it. I kind of have to ride it out. Like, it's kind of like when I'm PMSing, it's kind of have to... Like, I made a rule for myself a long time ago, like, don't make life decisions when you're PMSing. So now I have to kind of be like, don't make life decisions when you're withdrawing from bed. So, <laughs> like, because everything feels like it's turned up to, like, a 10. And I'm like, I I can't... and I don't know. I can't figure out changes to make that would help me right now. So... Unless they're, like, really drastic and impulsive. So I'm just, like, just going to give myself the space that I need. I'm going to take my time. I think alone time is probably pretty important for me right now. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done much to prioritize that. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll get myself a massage or something. Or go to a movie by myself. I like to, you know, every once in a while I'll take myself on a little date. But, yeah, because it's hard when you have a partner and especially, like, He's home for the summer. So neither of us really get time to ourselves. I'm working from home. He's not working. And I forget how important that time is. Like, even if that time apart is just being at work, sometimes like it's still, I don't know, it's important to kind of get your own space, especially when you're like a sensitive bear like I am, where I'm just like a sponge soaking up other people's emotions all the time. It's like, I I have too many. I can't, I can't take anyone else's right now
1: well then a lot of people just pop i mean it's like a thing where like it just you take on so much and then you just kind of explode and you might lash out against people you didn't mean to lash out to so i think like it's smart that you're doing like the thing of like spending time by yourself and taking the time you might need there because yeah obviously like you know you you care about those those people but like you also need the time for yourself to recover and recuperate and you know and just kind of process those feelings but uh, generally i've i've definitely struggled i I appreciate that you said that because I've, i've struggled with anger and like, what to do <laughs> when you're angry? So I like the idea, like what you were talking about, like just you might need to t- take yourself on a date.
0: Yeah, I I do. Yeah, what you said about just you can just explode. It's like I do kind of feel that pressure building right now, and I don't know. Like it's it's what you know one of those times where you're like, exploding is not productive for anyone. It's not going to help me, even if there are issues to resolve, you know, exploding in rage is not going to help me resolve (laughs) them. So all I can do is be like, take space. And I think another thing I really want to work on is just being assertive about my feelings in the moment. Um, Because I tend to just swallow them instead of like, being more direct with people or, you know, I'm always just so people pleasing and like afraid of any sort of disagreement or conflict that you know, I won't be kind of true to myself and like kind of speaking like my needs. And so I think I just need to get more comfortable doing that because I see what this feels like. And I'm like, yeah, this is a unique situation for me to have this much anger. And it's a lot of chemical stuff going on, but, um, and stress that I'm starting school in August. But it's like, you know, I do think that I, I can see that pattern in myself. Like I can see that tendency, of letting stuff build up too much so thank you that was really helpful i feel like that let out a little bit out of the balloon (laughs) it's like a little bit smaller now
1: (laughs) do you want to yell at me too like
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: all right so alexa how are you for real um honestly i feel pretty depleted um I've been experiencing some debilitating health issues over the last year and a good majority of the time I have to use a walker in public and I'm 33 so obviously that just feels unnatural. Um, And up until recently I didn't really leave my house much because it's it's just a hassle and I haven't learned to confidently take up space in this version of myself yet. And I find it super challenging when people say things like, oh, you'll, you'll be back to your old self one day. And what they don't realize is that I probably won't. And I don't mean that in like a self-deprecating way. Um, What I mean is that I can't really unsee the pain and loss that I've experienced. And now I'm something else. Now I'm, I'm just someone else. And... I think that the biggest unspoken hardships of growth are those people that kind of hold you prisoner to a version of yourself that no longer exists. And that just adds weight to my already present struggle with believing that this version of myself is even worthy or capable of a life of joy. So um, to answer the question, yeah, I just feel depleted. Um, But in spite of all of the fear and uncertainty I've decided that I'm not going to wait around for my old self to show up anymore because she isn't coming back and that's okay
0: Mm. man that like resonated with me on so many levels just that like at least with my mental health stuff too sometimes I think about like the before times of like Mm -hmm. before like I went through some of the struggles of the past few years and you know, people making comments, you used to be so fill in the blank yes, or yeah. and it's like, well, stuff's changed, you know, and I'm not worse because I'm a different version than you remember. Like right. I'm actually stronger.
2: But yeah. It's like, yeah. I think that's what people don't realize is that even though I might not look stronger, like I, I definitely am. And the things that I've overcome just mentally throughout this process. Um, I can't go back to that old person because that old person couldn't even probably handle or cope with who this person is now, who I am now. And um, it's just, yeah, it's kind of like a like a slap in the face when when you hear that. Oh, you know, and I know people mean well, like obviously. Right. We all know that. But. Mm. Um, It's just a reminder for me, too, to be more mindful around others and not comparing them to, you know, someone that they maybe don't feel like they are anymore either. You just don't know. Yeah. And it
0: makes me wonder, too, if there's something about it where people kind of rely on people around them to stay stagnant to a point that makes them comfortable. Mm -hmm. And... Cause that's what you see in sitcoms and stuff, right? The personalities always stay the same. There's always jokes every five seconds, you know, it's like, but it's not real. But I think maybe like, I wonder if it comes from a place of like insecurity with people. It's like, oh, she's acting differently than she used to. Mm -hmm. That makes me scared. So I'm going to say something about
2: it. Yeah. And I think that that happens, especially when something good happens in your life, um, and bad. I mean, really both ends of the spectrum. Um, life is, I always say life is kind of like happening in the gray area, but sometimes we end up on either side of the spectrum. And I think that's when people's true colors come out, especially the people that you surround yourself with, because it does, for some reason, make them uncomfortable that, oh, wow, like, you know, you're you're progressing really fast or you made all these changes. And it. I think it forces people to examine their own life and say, I'm either doing something right or wrong, and that can really jolt your emotions. And I'm guilty of it, too. I'm speaking from experience, because um, I know what it's like to witness someone close to me shift into a better version. And um, it is it's easy to to still, um, again, just kind of hold them prisoner to that past version. Well, remember, you know, you said these things, well, guess what, that person doesn't say those things anymore. So that's not valid anymore.
0: Yeah. That's good to keep in mind because it's, like, I do feel like we all do it. Like, even if we don't, I feel like you have to be consciously aware to not do that.
2: Yes. And, yes. like,
0: that's part of, like, being a good supportive, like, friend or partner is, like, oh, I can see change happening in this person. Like, I'm going to throw my support at them. Right. Um, Instead of, like, clenching up and being like, oh, no.
2: Yeah, it's like people just double down and, and clinging to that old person, and I think part of it is comfort, because change is most often uncomfortable, um, more often than not, but even talking to my husband, uh, he said something just so profound to me the other night, and it just really kind of woke me up, because he was talking about how people at work um, will still, they've labeled him, like, grumpy, Um, he's a -hmm. kitchen manager, so I think it just comes with the territory anyway, but he... Said that you know I, I'm not grumpy anymore, and uh, it hurts my feelings that people will come in and just say, "Oh, there's there's old grumpy guy, you know, or whatever. I don't know what his nicknames are. That was a horrible nickname, but old grumpy guy, grumpy guy, <laughs> grumpy guy coming through. But I just imagine them, you know, like having these names for him or whatever. And it was just so simple what he said. Just you know, I'm I'm not grumpy anymore and um he's made so much growth and progress in his life and his mental health journey and I think that's so important for men it's um uh you know if we're talking about gender roles and with mental health I think that um for men especially there's just not it's just not talked about as much and men are expected of course to be strong and just you know the stereotype but um so I'm I'm really proud of him for that and I'm really grateful that he brought that to my attention because you know sometimes i'll i'll say those things to him too and that hurt too that like hurt my feelings i was like oh gosh like i i still jokingly call him grumpy but that's that's not who he is anymore and he's so right
1: very nice
0: that's Mm. awesome yeah um all right so it's time for us to take a quick break and we will be right back
1: Two Nuts in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff, the stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nuts in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 065-WFMP-LP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media, promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups supporting our efforts to network organize and strengthen our community and our democracy forward radio is a volunteer-powered listener-supported station and we need your contributions just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved
0: all right we are back uh, with our lovely guest alexa And uh, this is the part of the show where we like to hear from our guests about just kind of their backgrounds with mental health or struggles they've been through. Uh, But we like to start by asking the guests, like, what is it that made you feel comfortable coming on the show? Like what kind of motivated you to come on the show?
2: Yeah, um, I just really appreciate opportunities like this to be vulnerable because I believe that naming the darkest parts of our stories can begin to crumble any sort of framework um, that shame has established and others who might be hesitant to share their story or uh, or maybe they feel invalidated. And I actually love sharing my story um, selectively. It's not something I want to talk about at church, uh, trying to get some lemonade in the fellowship hall. Like, I don't want to go down the trauma <laughs> rabbit hole. But uh, but I love sharing my story. It's actually easy for me to do this. And I know it's not easy for everyone, which is why I feel like raising my voice about the darkest parts of my story is... Um, is important so that the people that are suffering in silence can just clearly hear that they're not alone. So that's um, really the the main reason that I came.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And a lot of people are really afraid to be vulnerable if they aren't in that like practice, because I think our culture kind of teaches us to not appear vulnerable to like protect ourselves, which ultimately doesn't it makes us feel worse keeps us
2: from our authenticity yeah all that kind of crap
1: be happy or be quiet
2: yeah 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 i noticed that the more that i was vocal about my struggles and whether it was on social media or other podcasts i started seeing a lot of my friends pull back and it was super isolating but um they would say things like well why do you why do you have to talk about it all the time when i'm upset i don't talk about it well I love that for you, that you can do that and that you have Mm -hmm. your own coping skill. But that's not how I roll. You said something earlier, Lizzie, about like not being able to, you know, hold it in. Like, I can't I can't either. Like, I've got to I just got to let it free. Mm -hmm. And if that makes someone uncomfortable, then they don't have to listen or read my story or or whatever. But um, I think that it's more important to me for the people that aren't saying anything and they're kind of, in the shadows so to speak and if i can just reach one person with my story um i think that that's that's enough and that's more important to me than making other people comfortable or pacifying them that's awesome
0: yeah
1: i you know when i was first vulnerable with my stories was i got a little pushback and uh it was from a couple people but the majority of people were like hey this is great thanks for sharing um, but those couple of people have definitely changed their ways and changed their thinking of it. And yeah. other people, it's just like, you know, then, okay, you don't really need to be in my life. But yeah. um, the others st- stuck around, and, and now it's, like, not a big deal. And it just feels so much easier to be vulnerable and open with people. And it's just like, you know, I'm not hiding that stuff anymore. Which yeah. is just It's torture in a lot of ways to hide that stuff.
2: It is. Yeah, I think we all came from the generation of, or the tail end of the generation of sweeping things under the rug. And I always tell my husband, there is no rug in our house. And if there is a rug, I'm going to pick it up and shake it and let the dust go wild um, because that's who I am. And again, it's going to make some people uncomfortable, but not sorry. Yeah, sorry, (laughs) not sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: think uh, so many people are maybe afraid to share. And so when someone else shares, it'll... You know, it just, yeah, it comes back to that fear and insecurity, I think, of, like, seeing or, like, almost, like, secondhand embarrassment. Like, I had some people react that way. Oh, how do you share all that? Yeah,
2: yeah. They they act like it's a cringe moment. And guess what? We're all cringe. We all do weird things. And if this is my cringe moment, then let's let it ride. Like, that's fine.
0: Yeah, it's like you don't have to be embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. Yeah. I I feel really good about sharing this. So, yeah, no worries. <laughs> and also, I'm fine. That's yeah. another thing, people being like, oh, are you okay? Yeah.
1: It's it also like, it helps a lot of people, too. I mean, like, even when I see it, when I see people be vulnerable on, like, social media, I love it. I'd rather see that than, I mean, I love y'all's kids and stuff. Like, yeah. I'd rather see that than, like, the, the perfect, pristine pictures and yeah, posts. Yeah,
2: definitely. And I, I feel like I have a good mix of both in my social media, uh, but I try to... I used to be really particular about curating my social media, um, like to make it look like, oh, look at all of these amazing life experiences I have. And not that they're not uh, amazing, but, um, yeah, I think it's important to to lift the veil sometimes and say, hey, in case you're hurting, just so you know, I'm hurting too. And this is, I think for everyone right now, this is a really uncertain time in our history in, in general. And um, there's a lot of question about, human rights especially as it pertains to people with uteruses and
0: um
2: there's yeah i mean you got to let people know they're not alone they're not suffering alone
0: and for me it's such a relief anytime i see that like that's why i follow i follow people who do that
2: yes yeah it's like a big sigh of relief every time
0: yeah it's like going to someone's house and seeing that it's a little messy thank god yeah like they're (laughs) they're one of us like they're like me (laughs) i'm
1: sorry lizzie (laughs)
0: <laughs> I know you were at my house and my room was a mess yesterday.
1: Oh, I didn't. I, I don't really even notice the people, but I noticed because with my house is particularly like neat and orderly. So I was like, "Oh, people don't feel that way with me." Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm never relieved by your house. I'm totally that person that clean. I, I keep it pretty tidy, but uh, like I'll deep clean and someone will come over and there will be like a blanket out of place and i'm like oh sorry about the mess guys <laughs> and they're like uh what <laughs> they're like oh my god you should see my house and i'm like oh <laughs> so that's the only like rude thing that that i do i think uh <laughs> about apologizing <my> <laughs> for yeah
0: one dish in the sink yeah
2: oh my goodness look away I'm embarrassed. it looks like people
0: live here <laughs> how humiliating <laughs> Um, okay. So, uh, we were going to get into, I know Alexa, you had some stuff from like your past you wanted to share or really just kind of giving us a snapshot yeah, of kind of your mental health experiences.
2: Yeah. Um, my mental health journey really begins in early childhood. Um, when I was introduced to the concept of suicide and, I was at my grandmother's house one afternoon when my uncle entered the room and put a gun to his head and didn't expect to cry. uh, I'll never forget um, the primal and just very guttural sound that um, that left my body in that moment. And I sometimes think that that was um, my innocence leaving my body. And, uh, my grandfather ultimately tackled him to the ground and I ran out of the house barefoot and only a t-shirt in the middle of winter because I thought he was going to kill me. And, um, my uncle came outside too and he went to his car and I remember the sound of bullets hitting the concrete and rolling down the driveway as he loaded and unloaded his gun. And I was eight. Ooh.
0: Um, Thank you for sharing that. That's, I just, yeah, that's heavy.
2: Yeah. Um, that day stands out for obvious reasons, but it was also the same day that I was introduced to the concept of gaslighting. And I know gaslighting can be overused as a buzzword, but I vividly remember the isolation and confusion of being told by my aunt, don't go spreading lies about what you think you saw which naturally made me question everything I had just seen because I'm eight. And another reason that that day stands out is because I believe that that became the foundation of my OCD diagnosis later in life, which was rooted in self-harm obsessions and compulsions.
0: Mm. Yeah. So that, that kind of, that traumatic moment kind of repeated in your compulsions.
2: Yeah. And I think my, my eight year old brain just couldn't, understand why someone would want to hurt themselves or like, Oh my gosh, why is he doing that? Like even just the action of holding the the gun to his head, like I, I could not, I could not process it. And like I said, that sound, I didn't even know that sound was leaving my body and I just, I heard it and I knew it came from my body, but it was just the most surreal experience. And, um, it's not talked about a lot in my family. Um, Anytime I bring it up, it's it's like nobody even responds. Like mm. I'll say I don't feel comfortable around him on Christmas, and um, I decided that I was going to stop inviting him um, to my Christmas. And it's it's really challenging because sometimes I'll go back and forth with it, and then sometimes I'll show up anyway. But I think that that's the beauty of setting your own boundaries is that if you feel comfortable. Um, letting that guard down a little bit that you can, you can do that, but it's, it's hard when other people don't respect it and they say, Oh, well, you came to Easter. Why won't you come to Christmas? Because I don't feel comfortable today. Like, I don't want to relive this every time I look at this person. And I, I feel like my body always just, um, I'm just really like tight, tight and my, uh, jaw jaws clenched and I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop because, uh, he's very unhinged still. And um, and again, nobody talks about it. Why?
0: Yeah. You know, it's like it's almost like they wants to kind of deny it, you think, or. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think so. And of course, they you know, my family, they love him. Um, I, I get that. But I remember he would threaten suicide all the time and I would overhear it. And he would call and say, I'm going to shove scissors down my throat today. So then, boom, there's Mm -hmm. a new obsessive thought in my mind of how someone can end their life. And I remember just sitting at the dinner table um, the first time I I really, I guess, recognized my intrusive thoughts. Um, There was a steak knife sitting next to me. And I was so scared that I was going to pick it up and cut my wrist. And there was no reason for me to think that i wasn't like you said earlier there's not always a a reason to feel sad or depressed but i'm I'm a child at this point and it's like there's something the chemistry of my brain changed that day and i began looking for ways that people could potentially end their life and but also concurrently being scared that i would which is now i know is ocd um it's like the fear of doing something, but you're not necessarily going going to do it. And if you say those things out loud, people are like, "Oh my gosh, you were suicidal!" And it's like, no, but I was having intrusive suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Um, and that, how do you articulate that as a kid? I didn't tell anybody for years because I was ashamed and I didn't want to be labeled or have that stigma um, attached.
0: Yeah. That's such a good way of describing intrusive thoughts that I don't think people realize is that they because I have them too um, just with my anxiety and I ha- I do have some OCD tendencies I've never been diagnosed or anything mm-hmm. and I think it's pretty minor my sisters are more severe than mine are but yeah that it's like you know intrusive thoughts about death or suicide are very different from like traditional suicidal ideation yes like you're not um like like you said you're afraid of the thing yes it's like don't think about that don't think about that and all you can do yes is just the thoughts just keep hammering you it feels like it's coming from like an outside force or something it
2: does and what's even harder is when you do like i got to a certain age where i did have suicidal ideation and it's hard to differentiate the intrusive thoughts from how you are actually feeling and it becomes very confusing when those lines start to blur. Yeah. So, like,
0: after, like, kind of that big trauma in your childhood, um, which you said kind of led to that OCD, from there, how did you kind of how did your you progress with your, like, mental health development?
2: Well, as a child, uh, I think that was right around the time that I started um, – being bullied at school i don't know if those things are related or if that was just maybe the age that bullying starts i I don't really know um but i was bullied pretty mercilessly from third to eighth grade i was attending an extremely conservative southern baptist school Um, And I was picked on because I was sensitive and I cried a lot and that was looked at as a weakness or, oh, cry baby. And uh, I was also, I still have fair skin and I was called Casper, which, you know, I can laugh at now, but at the time, like that, that just crushes you as a kid. Like, so then I had this, like this body dysmorphia starting to sneak in. Um, And I still have this, this idea that if I'm not tan, I'm not beautiful, And it's just insane what can be at an early age um, ingrained in you. So the soft places to land were pretty limited at that time in my life. And there was a lot of shame attached to expressing myself. So I developed a lot of anxiety and my self-esteem was non-existent. So I learned pretty early on to internalize my pain. And it wasn't really until I was about 15 years old and began experiencing intense panic attacks that my own mental health was ever acknowledged or prioritized by my family. And even then, there was really no routine or stability established. Um, My mom was in the thick of her own mental illness and my dad had sort of just written me off at that time. He dealt with a lot of anger issues. My mom also had OCD. Hers was much more debilitating than mine. Um, but I had a very tumultuous relationship with my dad. Um, so I, again, I, I just didn't have much support in the, the family arena. Um, once my insurance covered therapy sessions were complete, uh, my mental health was on the back burner again. Um, I did find some really solid friends around this time and I was feeling a little more confident in my parents and I did really enjoy high school, but um, it was definitely still struggling at that point and needed support probably more than ever. Yeah, we talk about like support systems a lot
0: on the show and how important they are. And yeah, if you don't have that in your family unit, it just or even with friends like it's so hard, like it sounds like you did find that with friends and through therapy at some point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: power of a support network is, is critical. So if it's like, yeah, if you feel alone or isolated, just like you keep that all to yourself, you bottle it up and then it's, you, there's nowhere to take it and it just kind of sticks with you. And then it's just, you're not getting any help. You don't have any resources. You don't have anybody to lean on. You don't have anybody that says like, Oh, I, I understand what you're going through. Like there's none of that. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, struggle with having a strong support network. Yeah. Or they have people they know, and they have lots of friends, they know lots of people, but are they supportive? Do you know them past surface-level relationship? Like, what type of support are they providing you? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's critical. Yeah.
2: yeah, and as a young kid or a teenager, you don't know that you need support. You don't know what you don't know. You just sort of, now that I'm an adult and have a child, I know that I have to make that effort in that initiative as a parent so looking back i'm just i I do feel a little failed and i love my parents and we have a much better relationship today but um it's just something that i prioritize as a parent now
0: Hmm. yeah
1: you prioritize it because you experienced it you learned the hard way
2: yeah sadly um my uh teens and early 20s Like I said, we're uh, you know, they were getting things were getting better and uh, I had a lot of fun. But there was the underlying and neglected mental illness and that would rear its head pretty often. I started partying a lot in my 20s and I had really turbulent relationships that usually just threw me into further downward spirals. And I had absolutely no filter when it came to expressing myself and not in a good way, not in a vulnerable way. It was just messy and almost always unhealthy And I drank a lot to suppress the anxiety but as we know that just makes things worse Um, and it never made it better ultimately. Um, My living situations were always temporary and I was uh, irresponsible financially but I remember a huge turning point for me was losing my job, getting evicted from my apartment and finding out my boyfriend was cheating on me all in the same week. (laughs) Oof. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. And uh, I was ready to end my life. So that's where the a lot of the suicidal ideation crept in. Um, but instead of ending my life, I literally wiped my tears and applied for a new job. And within an hour of being fired, I was hired on the spot. And the man that hired me would one day become my husband.
0: <gasps>
2: oh, <laughs> I just got chills. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Well, so, that worked out. I know, right? <laughs> nice. So, you know, I, I look at it as choosing to live for just an hour longer changed the entire course of my life. And wow. the, the stability that I'd been searching for came effortlessly. And I do not say that to preach that having a partner will always save your life. But my husband did save my life and didn't even know it. And my story just sort of reinforces that the people that you surround yourself with do influence your reality. And, of course, I still had a lot of trauma to unpack, so it wasn't until I had my son and suffered from postpartum depression that I started really prioritizing my mental health. Um, but for the first time in my life, what, this is where it was different, is I was ready to make that descent to rock bottom where my trauma lived. Hmm. I've been in therapy uh, for a while now, and I'll continue that probably the rest of my life, even if it's just for check-in moments. I think it's good for maintenance, even if there's not a crisis. I think that a lot of people mix that up sometimes and think, oh, I don't need therapy. Everybody needs therapy. Let me be clear. Everybody needs therapy. And some of the things that I've learned in therapy uh the most important thing to me really is about leaning into discomfort Um, i think that's one of the most challenging things that a human can do but it's also what i believe is the only thing between you and healing and over time this amazing thing happens where that discomfort becomes smaller and you can sort of coexist with your trauma without suppressing it And of course, I'm a work in progress and have yet to master this, (laughs) Um, but I do know with certainty that the benefits of leaning in will catapult you light years closer to healing. And a technique that helps me to achieve leaning in is asking myself what the healed version of myself would be doing. And more often than not, I'll change the decision that I was going to make and um, it'll typically lead to some temporary discomfort um, but it subsequently leads to long-term satisfaction and I think that the quick ways that we pacify ourselves rarely leads to any sort of meaningful change.
0: That's great advice
1: yeah because yeah it seems like you talked about you hit rock bottom before and like and then yeah talking about like embracing that discomfort because yeah hitting rock bottom is very uncomfortable clearly. And But it seems like you're able to embrace it and learn from it and then make the change you need to make. And then also, like, just talking about, like, what would healed Alexa do? Like, what would she be doing right now? Like, what decisions would she have made? What actions would she take? Like, I appreciate that because it's, like, you know, it's looking for, like okay, like you've also been there before. Like you've been like, you're like, you know, like what's healthy Lizzie doing or healthy Emory doing? Like what would they be doing right now? you know, it's certain things that you might not be doing in that moment, but you can make those changes to be in that space. So I really appreciate that. That was cool. Yeah. Okay. So Alexa, you talked about, um, the relationship with your son and how, you know, maybe it's a little different than how it was with the relationship that you have with your parents and with mental health related. Can you elaborate that a little more touch base on that some more?
2: Sure. Um, full circle. My son is eight. So he is at the age that I was when I witnessed something that would change the course of of my life. And as a mother, I have definitely prioritized the feeling of safety and stability above all else. And I mentioned earlier, I definitely don't have it all figured out. So I don't have it all figured out as a mom either. But I do know that being a cycle breaker is exhausting because you're sort of healing your own trauma while fighting to prevent trauma. Hmm. So, um, and that, that can be difficult. So to anyone out there, cycle breaking, I see you. And, uh, I love the quote from Rick Warren and this kind of goes back to the, the beginning of the podcast. Um, his quote is we are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it.
1: Mm. Nice.
2: I like that. Thank a lot. you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for sharing all of
0: that. Like, I I think it's so important for people to hear like, what it's like when you do have those childhood traumas. And, you know, just having that kind of uh, understanding view towards yourself. And like, that you that kind of child self is in you forever. And mm-hmm. I had this thought of like, well, as you're, you know, parenting, you know, almost seeing your child as yourself, Um Kind of like co identifying and healing in that way. Cause sometimes it's hard to remember we still have a child self in there yeah. that impacts our actions. Yeah. But I try to remind myself of that because it's, yeah, like Lizzie, what does your child self need right now? Cause when we're scared, child self.
1: And we're not yeah. fully healed and we're imperfect and we're trying to, you know, guide and raise the next generation and, you know, also deal with everything that we're dealing with too. So I love the idea of like breaking a cycle.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's get into some gratitudes. We'll, we'll have to be pretty fast, but um, that's no problem for me because I'm an ungrateful jerk. So. <laughs> yeah, it's great. All right. <laughs> so what are you guys grateful for? I got nothing.
1: Well, I can go. Um, generally, maybe go first anyway, so yeah. I'll just go. Uh, I'm grateful for Stranger Things. I've been watching that. That was fun. <laughs> uh, I was just literally sitting on the couch, hanging out with my cat, eating doritos and drinking a big red like a Ooh, true 35 year old i am an adult and i was grateful for that because it's just like chilling out taking it easy and being relaxed and enjoying something and like you sometimes don't realize that self-care like you don't realize that what you're doing is actually good for you like you need that time that time to just chill out and process things so i'm really grateful for that and uh also i had a niece that was just born I, it's my sixth nibbling um adelina was born uh a few days ago uh, just past midnight and I'm going to go see her tomorrow and mm-hmm. hold a little baby so Aww. I'm grateful for that as well uh-huh. I should have probably put her first before yeah, stranger wow. things Doritos, big
0: Red. Uh, stranger we are not things. sponsored by Doritos or Big Red <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear I just
1: had to plug Doritos and Big Red before my baby knees that was just born <laughs> but yeah that's that's uh, I'm grateful for those things all that stuff
0: I'm <laughs> proud of you for eating junk food
1: <laughs> yeah I'm not a big junk food guy but I uh yeah we
0: all need it sometimes yeah no shame
1: lizzie what are you grateful for (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) um i am grateful that there are a ton of people right now around like the roe v wade ruling that are just galvanized and like ready to just try to fight for reproductive rights um it's really scary in kentucky right now for those of you listening who you know, don't know what's going on. We did just have the abortion ban at least temporarily lifted. Um, but things are scary here. Yeah. And, you know, there's hundreds of women who haven't gotten the care they need just in the short time it's been. So I'm grateful that there are those like, cause I'm not this person, but I'm grateful that there are those like really political people out there who are like, let's, make let's turn this into action we ride at dawn yeah Yeah, because i'm I'm gonna go cower in a corner and eat a snickers bar (laughs) but i support you (laughs) i'll send you some money or something but
2: (laughs) (laughs) thankful for those people what about you alexa i think the thing that i'm the most grateful for right now is acceptance um and that's Something that I have to remind myself consistently, uh, it's not the same thing as surrendering to your circumstances. Because I used to think that acceptance meant saying, all right, this is how it's going to be forever. But really, acceptance is saying, this is how it is right now. And right now is not forever. It's right now.
1: Nice. Nice. That's way better than Doritos and Big Red. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry. really uh, showing me up. Yeah, right. no,
2: well, actually, you were a tough act to follow with that. I was like, oh, maybe I should talk about White Castle or something.
1: <laughs> Lizzie mentioned Snickers bars.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's about dinner time, so we're all getting yeah. hungry, again. I, I do have a sandwich in my purse, so. <laughs> Got to be prepared.
0: Nice. All right. Well, Alexa,
2: thank you again so much for being on the show. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate this platform. I think what you guys are doing is wonderful. Thank Thanks. you.
1: I really appreciate that.
2: We get to hear so many stories and yeah, connect with people. And I love that. I love that.
1: I like Lizzie, so that's good. It'd be, yeah. it'd be bad if we didn't like each other. That'd be kind of awkward. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I got ooh.
0: eggs. And you got, got eggs. Too. eggs. <laughs> if I get really hungry, I can just <laughs> do like a Rocky and just... <laughs> swallow a raw one (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks for listening and keep talking about your feelings bye bye thank you for listening to two nuts in a pod on forward radio please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences if you'd like to speak to a trained professional call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The Crisis Line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.